Welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or just welcome if you're joining me for the very first time. I'm your introverted host, Chelsea Brown, or C. Brown in my writing life. I'm coming to you from inside my closet, which is about the sweetest irony I can imagine for this particular episode. You know, I never realized just how loud my neighborhood is until I started trying to do audio recordings between yard work and dogs and kids playing and like 17 species of birds, it's pretty intense, but the closet helps. I just want to start off by thanking everyone for all the support I've been receiving with this podcast on social media so far. You guys are so sweet. I mean, seriously, thank you so much. I can barely believe people have actually listened to me speak, let alone enjoyed what I've put together. When I was editing the first episode, I was texting my friends like, wow, has my voice always been this annoying? Why did no one tell me my voice was this annoying? There's still a little part of me that thinks everyone is laughing at me and I sound like an idiot, but we're going to keep embracing that little anxious baby inside and keep it moving. I don't know about you guys, but I'm still living the hermit life, so honestly not too much is going on for me, which is just the way I like it. But something out of the ordinary did happen a couple weeks ago. So if you stalked my social media, you know I have a Czechoslovakian vlog named Hybrid. He's my dog. He's such a sweet boy and is really bonded to me and I to him. Right now, he's laying outside the closet while I record. I had to kick him out because I didn't think y'all would want to hear 30 minutes of heavy dog breathing while I was talking to you. Anyway, a couple weeks ago, he had his first seizure. He's only about four. He'll be four in August. And he's typically a very robust, healthy dog. He's had a couple of incidences where he's gotten into something he wasn't supposed to when he was a puppy, but he's pretty well house-trained now and knows not to destroy things that aren't his. He can rip apart his own toys to his heart's content. And you know what's funny is that very day, I had seen this video going around on TikTok about a dog that had a seizure, and his dog friend jumps on him to kind of bring him out of it can google it it's so crazy what was helpful about that video is that the seizure the dog had wasn't really like the convulsing type seizure that i think we all have in our heads in the video the dog kind of stands up really quickly and is really unsteady on his feet it seems like he doesn't know where he is and that same thing happened to hybrid he tried to stand up and fell into a wall but stayed standing I went to him and kind of held his head and was talking to him like, hey buddy, it's okay, I'm right here, you're fine. The event lasted maybe 20 seconds and Hybrid recovered quickly within five minutes, right? He was ready for his nightly treat. But the next day I brought him to the vet. Originally, the vet had thought he'd gotten into some marijuana, which like he would have to have his own doggy dealer because neither my husband nor I do drugs and we don't really go anywhere except on long walks around the neighborhood. So the vet ran the blood tests anyway, and it looks like Hybrid's liver enzyme levels are a little weird. It was then the vet said, yeah, okay, it was probably a seizure. So we're just going to keep an eye on him and see if it happens again. With any luck, it could have just been a random one-off thing. Let's keep our fingers crossed for that. And the moral of the story, is that TikTok helped me identify in a typical seizure. Thank you, technology. All the countless hours I've spent on TikTok were useful. At least that's what I'm going to keep telling myself. 
I'm also still reading Outlander. It's finally starting to become unputdownable. I'm about halfway through, for reference. It's interesting having watched the show first because I'm able to draw parallels like, oh, yep, I remember that scene, or hey, wait, they cut this out of the show. I'm also imagining the actors that played the characters as opposed to making up the characters in my head. Part of me kind of likes this because it's always like, ugh, when you watch a movie based on a book and the characters look nothing like they were described or like you imagined. I'm also still reading If You Must Know, but it's slower going since I save it for before bed and I've been knocking out pretty early. But I also discovered that the prime reading thing that I got If You Must Know for free from puts the audiobook for the book you're reading on Audible as well. So if you prefer to listen, you can listen to this book for free. Let me say that again, for free. I love a good deal. Catch me at Ross, TJ Maxx. Only punks pay full price. Just kidding. But I do think that the hunt for a cool piece is even more fun if you're searching for it and if you find it on sale, like a treasure hunt. But back to the topic of books. I've been thinking about getting a book of the month subscription. I think it would encourage me to read more, even though I do try to read every single day. And it would show me books that I might not pick up on my own. Reading is a great way to do research for my writing as well, keep track of trends in publishing, learn new words, different ways to phrase things. And honestly, it's my favorite summer activity, which I feel like says way too much about me. I've also been watching the new Loki show on Disney+. I am a huge Marvel fan, and this show is really hitting for me. I live for time-bendy fantasy-type shows, and I really love to see a character portrayed as a villain given some more humanity. I've always been a Loki fan and have assumed that there was more to him than we were led to believe. I mean, I know he's the god of mischief and everything like that, but there has to be something more there. Villains are the most believable when they're human. What I mean by that is that no villain is all bad. What's their origin story? I watched Cruella, also on Disney+, and you got to see what made her evil. She wasn't just this flat villain like you see in the cartoons, but was someone with a history. The same is happening with Loki. I am also so psyched for the Black Widow movie coming in July, I have been waiting for years, actual years, for this one. She is my favorite Avenger, and I can't wait to see more of her story. We got a little taste of it in the Age of Ultron movie, and I want more. I want to know what makes her who she is. And to be honest with you, I think that's why I like writing, especially pantsing like I do. I get to explore the villains and see what makes them tick. But even more so, I get to explore my protagonists. I don't really go for the golden boy type pro tags. There's something really boring about someone that's always doing the right thing and saying the right thing. Give me someone who's tortured, who messes up, but is trying to do what they think is right. And it's important to note that what a protagonist thinks is right isn't necessarily the right thing to do. I don't think even villains in stories think they're the villain. They think they're doing what's right in order to achieve their goals. Some people even think they're trying to make the world a better place. And that's the interesting thing about evil, isn't it? One person's evil is another person's humanitarian effort. Okay, so this week, 
In honor of Pride Month, I'm going to open up a bit about my sexuality. I am bisexual, and I came out, as it were, five years ago or so. It wasn't like any dramatic thing, because that's not really my style. I'm an introvert. I've always been an introvert. I'm not going to be loud about this, just like I'm not loud about anything. It was more like an if you know, you know kind of situation, or if it came up in conversation, I would talk about it then. But I realized that also leaves a lot of room for the argument that maybe I'm not out yet because I didn't post it on social media or whatever. What a weird society we live in, right? So let's talk about what it means to be out. And I want to provide a disclaimer upfront that I'm speaking only for myself and to my own experience, not the LGBTQ plus community at large or even every bisexual person. I'm not an expert nor am I claiming to be one. I can only speak to what I know to be true for me. And I'm sure everyone has different opinions and perspectives, so let's jump in. For me, being out means that my sexuality isn't a secret that I'm hiding. If a stranger on the street were to ask, I would theoretically tell them. I say theoretically because you don't really know what kind of weirdos are out there these days, but anyway, the point is that I'm not hiding who I am from anyone. I grew up in a pretty conservative house, so there really wasn't the possibility of me coming out when I was younger. As a matter of fact, I hadn't really come out to myself. I refused to accept that I was attracted to people, regardless of their gender. Cis, trans, men, women, non-binary doesn't matter to me. The attraction is rooted in who a person is. But little me thought, how is that possible? Why can't I just pick one gender to like? Shouldn't I be picking one? And as I got older, I had this refusal to accept that I was attracted to other people that weren't men ingrained in my head. Like, am I selfish? Am I confused? What is my problem? It took a lot of time and therapy to unlearn that. Learning about your own sexuality can be confusing, and that's perfectly fine. Sexuality is also not just this set thing, and it can change over time. The idea that sexuality is a spectrum is pretty common now. So, for example, a bisexual person isn't necessarily 50-50 on their attraction to different genders. It could be mostly women, mostly non-binary, whatever. You know yourself best. And not a single soul outside of you can tell you who you are or who you love. Sometimes when people found out that I was bisexual, they insisted that I couldn't possibly be attracted to girls because I'd not had a relationship with a girl. Like, what? How does that track, right? If that were true, how could anyone know that they're straight unless they've had a relationship with the opposite sex or with the same sex? How do you know your sexuality at all, right? That's just an attempt to define someone for them. And we're just frankly not doing that here. And speaking of defining people, let's talk about some misconceptions that are very prevalent in our society about people who are bisexual. So the first misconception is that if you're bisexual, you must have had an equal amount of male and female partners for it to count. That's just going to be a no from me. Does that mean that someone becomes straight if they have more partners of the opposite sex than of the same sex? No, it doesn't. We aren't out here keeping score of how many people you've been with and how they identify. And on that note, 
you don't have to try all genders to decide you're bisexual. You like who you like, the end. The second misconception is that bisexual people just need to pick a side. I mean, yikes. Choose a side? What is this, the Cold War? Do I need to also choose whether I like Indian food or Mexican food? That sounds ridiculous to everyone else too, right? I think the concept of someone's sexuality being kind of fluid and not really fitting into this regimented idea we as a society have makes people nervous. The fastest cure for this anxiety, in my personal opinion, is to worry about yourself. <laughs> you don't need to define anyone for them to be a whole person. I also think some people have this idea that everyone's experience must mirror their own. I know I'm guilty of this in some aspects. If I hear someone doesn't like pizza, I am floored. Pizza is amazing. How could you not like pizza? When it comes to people's sexual preferences, no one's experience has to be the same as yours to be valid, right? Okay, moving on. Misconception number three. Bisexual people are more likely to cheat. This is, wow, the insecurity is deafening. But some people really think this. I've personally had conversations with guys that say, man, I couldn't take it if my girl was into girls too because that's way too much competition. I mean, first of all, maybe try trusting your girl. Try that on for size. Secondly, bisexuals are not these greedy sex fiends trying to get with everyone at the pulse. Some have high sex drives, some have low sex drives, and that doesn't make you more likely to cheat or less likely to cheat. You're just literally the same as the entire human population. And also, I feel like a secondary misconception to this is that bisexual people are attracted to every single person they see. I'm sorry, but no. Is a straight woman attracted to every man she sees? Is a gay woman attracted to every woman she sees? No. Just, just no. The fourth bisexual misconception is that bisexual means only attracted to two genders. As the term pansexual has come into use, it's almost been used as kind of like ammunition against people who identify as bisexual because the word bisexual does not necessarily account for other gender identities like non-binary, gender fluid, omnigender, transgender, right? The LGBTQIA Resource Center at UC Davis Online states that some people use bisexual and pansexual interchangeably, which is something I personally relate to. I am attracted to people regardless of their gender identity, not just man or woman. For me, it doesn't matter, which by definition would make me pansexual, but I personally prefer to use bisexual to identify myself. And if you do the same, that's Totally fine. It's your identity and no one can tell you which word you should use to define yourself. The fifth misconception is that bisexuals experience by privilege. This is a pretty common one and one that I can say for myself is not fully accurate. There's a lot of talk about how bisexual people can hide and be in straight passing, quote unquote, relationships. So in that regard, certainly there's a manner of privilege. I can walk wherever with my husband and people will assume I'm straight and I won't necessarily receive the same backlash as someone in a quote unquote gay presenting relationship. 
But consider this, I'm not gay and I'm not straight. So which community do I belong in? I don't feel like I belong in the LGBTQ community, though not necessarily through any fault of the community itself. The B in the acronym literally stands for bisexual, but there's just this vibe for me that I don't really fit into the community, particularly because I'm in a relationship with a man. And I don't fit into the straight community because I'm not straight. Do you see my dilemma? It can be a confusing place to be. The sixth misconception. We can't really talk about bisexuality without this one. The misconception that all bisexuals want a threesome. It's just not true. I'm sure some bisexuals are into group sex, just like with any other sexual orientation. But again, being bisexual doesn't necessarily mean we're attracted to every person on the earth, nor does it mean that we're interested in group sex. Okay? Now, talking about all of this, it's so important to remember how Pride even started the Pride Month, right? The first Pride was a riot. If you don't know about this, I will give you a brief overview. In June of 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn, a New York City gay bar. Mind you, it was illegal in the 60s to show same-sex romantic physical expression, and gay bars were somewhere where non-straight people could go and just be themselves, right? So police raided Stonewall and took people outside, none too gently, to be arrested for the crime of just being who they were. But these people resisted. Not only this, but neighbors and passersby stepped in too. Eventually, hundreds of people were resisting this particular arrest and becoming really agitated by the show of police brutality. At that point, police ended up barricading themselves inside the bar. For the next five days, protests, including thousands of people, erupted around the city. People are not standing for discrimination against LGBTQ plus individuals, not anymore. And this symbolized the beginning of a movement for equal rights for all, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity. Since this is the month we celebrate pride, we've all seen countless companies with their rainbow apparel and logos. And while I think the public support for the LGBTQ community is amazing, sometimes it also rings a little false for me. It feels a little like, hey, we support your rights, buy our stuff. And as consumers, it can be really easy to get swept up in the merchandising of it all. But this month, we celebrate and remember the brave people at the first Pride. It wasn't a parade with merch stands and glitter and rainbows. The first Pride was a riot, literally. The people at Stonewall resisted, and countless others have resisted and protested since, so that people like me, people who are not straight, can be who they are. It's because of them that I can be talking to you now through this podcast. And that's kind of crazy when you think about it. I don't know that they knew for a fact that their resistance would result in the rights that we have today, but they were willing to take that risk because enough was enough. And of course, we can't talk about pride and coming out without acknowledging that not everyone is in a position to do so. 
maybe their family isn't supportive and they could lose the financial support they need or even be put in physical danger. There are still more than 70 countries in the world where same-sex relationships are illegal and even some where it's punishable by death or imprisonment. Even in countries where it's not illegal to be in a non-traditional quote-unquote relationship, some treat those relationships differently with, for example, a different age of consent. Transgender people in America are still fighting for the right to be themselves, with bills in more than 30 states restricting their rights. So what can be done now? Members of the LGBTQ community don't stop being themselves just because it's illegal or their rights are restricted. Now, of course, we can donate our time and money to things like the ACLU or the Human Rights Campaign, we can engage in activism, we can speak out. But again, not everybody is in a place mentally, emotionally, financially, or even physically to do those things. In my opinion, and again, not an expert, the most important thing you can do as a person who can't engage in these activities and can't come out is to take care of your mental health. Mental health is something that can be easily overlooked and frankly, if your mental health is suffering, your bodily health probably is too. So mental health practices can look like seeking out a therapist, whether it's in person or online. It can also look like adopting a more intense self-care routine at home. Baths, journaling, walks, hanging out with friends you trust, playing with dogs, whatever brings you peace, do that. And don't think that you have to come out to be who you are. You are you, no matter who knows it. It's 100% okay to wait until you're ready and in a place where you're safe. Safety is always paramount. For some LGBTQ resources, check out glaad.org, or you can search online for resources near your location. One thing I really do want to stress is that whatever gender you identify with, whoever you're attracted to, you are valid and you are loved. If you don't have people in your life that support you and love you, I am your new bestie, okay? My DMs are always open. I don't think people who are not LGBTQ understand how difficult it can be to just be yourself, to be out, okay? In some ways, we all fear judgment or retribution we're afraid of someone seeing this kind of intimate part of ourselves and saying that's wrong or that's ugly or even taking it upon themselves to punish us. I feel so privileged to be in the position I am now, to be able to come out to basically the entire world, right? Am I afraid? Yeah, this is really public and I'm still a freaking introvert. Do I have anxiety about it? Definitely. But I'm blessed enough to be in a place in my life where I'm able to say all of this, regardless of the fear and the anxiety. My husband is amazingly supportive of who I am, sexuality and all. I have amazing friends who are more like family that support me no matter what. And because I'm in this privileged position, it feels like my responsibility to speak about this openly to stop being so quiet about something so important. With anyone who doesn't support me or doesn't support you, 
take what serves you and leave the rest. It's a really freeing practice. Find the people that love you and support you no matter what and hang on to those people. And for anything that still gets under my skin, well, I guess that's what I pay my therapist for. And on that note, we're about at the end of our time together. I will see you guys in a couple of Tuesdays. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at WriteCBrown, W-R-I-T-E-C Brown, or follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at YourSoQuietPod. You can also visit my blog and website at cbrownauthor.com. And of course, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about me speaking into the void. Until next time.